Minutes before the hour, you're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Although the latest rounds of winter storms didn't cause landslides in Sitka's residential areas, they did cause damage to city property to the tune of just under a million dollars. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider declaring a disaster emergency in the hope of securing state and federal funding to offset the costs of those repairs. According to a memo from City Administrator John Leach, beginning on November 30th, storms caused damage to public and private property, including $300,000 in damage to Ensaraz Medavici Hatchery. Leach estimated that $400,000 is needed for landslide stabilization at Sand Dollar Drive from a storm in November, and another $100,000 for repairs to Blue Lake and Green Lake roads, and another $100,000 in other city repairs. In other business tonight, the Sitka Assembly will consider issuing another Request for Proposals, or RFP, calling for another round of bids to develop a public-private marine haulout at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park. It will also consider extending its contract agreement with Eckert Fine Beverages, a California company that purchases and ships Sitka's raw water to make rain cane vodka. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Sitka reported three new coronavirus cases on Monday. One patient is in his 30s. He was experiencing symptoms when he received testing on Monday. A man in his 50s and a young girl under 10 also tested positive, according to city data. Both received testing last week, but symptom information has not yet been published to the city's COVID dashboard. As of Monday evening, the city had not reported whether any of the new cases were tied to community spread. Sitka has reported 257 coronavirus cases since the start of the pandemic. Twelve of the cases are still considered active, according to city data. Though the number of active cases is down by nearly half from last week, the city's risk level remains high. City officials continue to strongly encourage residents to wear masks in public and avoid indoor gatherings. Sitka's schools are on holiday break, and whether they reopen for in-person learning on January 4th remains a question mark. During a recent listening session with the public, the district administrator heard strong arguments both for and against returning kids to class. The answer, however, may ultimately lie in how well schools prevent the spread of the coronavirus. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The goal of the listening session on December 16th was to try and home in on a combination of metrics that would allow people to feel that students could safely attend school in person at a minimum risk to themselves, faculty, families, and the community. There was a broad spectrum of opinion on the issue, all of it well-reasoned and civil. Parent Jeremy Twaddle brought out data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention showing that the fatality rate among children under 19 was far lower than older populations, He did not feel that the district's response was proportionate to the risk. These poor children are being forced to wear masks in school, forced to stay separated from their friends, forced to quarantine if they leave the state, forced to test and quarantine if they have the sniffles, forced into accepting a reduced education, especially with remote learning. These are our children, not lab rats to perform tests on. Superintendent John Holst said that a district survey found that 80% of the district's families want their kids to return to school. Testimony at the listening session suggested that, although it's a huge economic challenge for some families, most of the harm was falling on students themselves. 
This is Teal West, parent of a middle schooler. I've watched a vibrant 12-year-old that was in, you name it, she did it. She's now in nothing. Um, I watched her go from not being on a screen much, not having access to iPhones, to being on an iPad eight hours a day. But there were parents who supported online school and whose children were doing well. Parent Kalana Marley said her daughter was benefiting from the academic rigor of the online program. I really feel like the Sitka teachers have been doing a really fabulous job, very innovative and just hardworking. Parent Chola Moll has a second and fourth grader in the Sitka school district. She said that she's had them at home since the beginning of the pandemic and that they are making academic progress. Moll argued that making a decision simply on the current understanding of COVID's risk might be premature. I also would just like to say that death is not the only risk of COVID and that the long-term effects are only now being discovered and it will take a long time for us to really understand what those effects are. Children will be living with these unknown long-term effects the longest. Maul pointed out that although her children were learning remotely, she was teaching in person in her classroom at Mount Edgecombe, and it was not without its own set of anxieties. Just putting them in school does not take away stress, she said. Parent Patty McPike said that she had sensed this in her Blatchley student before schools transitioned to fully remote learning in November. I know that for my child, going and being in a mask that long uh, and knowing that she ran the risk of picking something up to expose to her other loved family members and extended family members was stressing her out beyond belief. There were 77 people online for the listening session and a handful in person at Harrigan Centennial Hall, and it was one of those rare public meetings where everyone was right. Sitka's kids are being harmed by missing school. Many are doing well online, however, and teachers are doing amazing work. The risks of COVID are not fully understood. The stress and anxiety over the pandemic is running high both in and out of the classroom. It's nonstop in the media, and so on. Then, a parent named Mike Carroll suggested this. Why aren't data points for community or for uh, transmission or the lack of transmission within the schools being used as a primary indicator to determine whether or not schools remain open or close? It was the aha moment. Superintendent John Holst said that the district hadn't developed a metric for COVID transmission in schools because there had been none. Holst concluded the listening session by saying, I've tried to give this decision away to anyone who would take it. He did say that families will continue to have the option of online instruction regardless of what happens. Although Holst will consider the recommendations of the Sitka Unified Command, Public Health, and the search chief medical officer, He told KCAW in a follow-up call that determining a rate of transmission within schools may well be the most important information in deciding whether to reopen schools to in-person learning on January 4th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. When the Sitka Assembly met last week, city staff mentioned a new program they hope will help offset some of the lost sales tax revenue due to the pandemic. The Petersburg Borough is also participating in that program. It collects sales tax from online vendors. KFSK's Angela Denning reports. Ideally, every community would see small increases in sales tax to meet inflation. But that didn't happen this year. 
The Petersburg borough is down 9% in sales tax revenue as of mid-December. A 9% loss equals about $242,000. It might not sound like a lot, but for a small town, it is. Everything was staying about the same month to month until we reached April. Jody Tao says revenue dropped when the pandemic hit. She's the borough's finance director, and she crunches all the numbers. Charter and travel is down 80 percent. Hotel and lodging is down about 30 percent. Restaurants down 15 percent on average. The worst month was May, when sales tax revenue was down 20 percent. That's a difference of nearly $65,000 from last year. But it could be a lot worse. Sales tax losses started shrinking dramatically by this fall. That's because a new remote sales tax program is helping to even things out. For example, in October, there was a 6% loss in local sales tax, but $16,000 in online sales tax made up more than the difference. The online tax collection took off in July when Petersburg signed up for the Alaska Remote Seller Sales Tax Commission. It's a nonprofit program run through the Alaska Municipal League. AML created the program following a 2018 ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court that allows the state to collect taxes on out-of-state sales regardless of whether a company has a physical presence in that locale. For a fee, Tao says, the commission collects tax from online sales to Petersburg residents. It's well worth having someone else do it. Um, We couldn't do it ourselves. Municipalities across Alaska are signing up for the program. It's estimated to bring in about $9 million in revenue this year. Clint Singletary is the program's director. It has been successful so far. We've had uh, 33 municipalities across the state join. We've got eight more who are working towards fully participating. So, I mean, we still got a ways to go. There's over 100 municipalities in the state that could participate, um, but we've seen good growth for the first year. For Petersburg, remote sales tax has brought in about $66,000 so far, averaging about $13,000 per month. That monthly income is expected to rise in the future as more and more online retailers become part of the program. There are about 750 vendors so far. Again, Jody Tao. They keep adding new vendors every month. They just added Target, which was a big one. So it'll be interesting to see how much the numbers grow in the future. In theory... They should grow, but it's not a guarantee. It could be that more residents are shopping online due to the pandemic, and eventually the online sales will drop. Only time will tell. If the trend does continue, then the borough would bring in about $156,000 in remote sales tax a year. And it could mean $10 million annually for Alaska's remote communities. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.